This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Put on your parachute pants, pop your collar, and zip up your members-only jacket as we turn it over to your hosts, Loose Cannon and Baco. I'm your host, Luce Cannon, along with the mulleted Baco. How are you, sir? I am head to toe in bandanas and eyeliner, Luce. <laughs> nice. Now, in 83, were you freeballing then? <laughs> no. Tidy whities all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was too, and then realized, why am I wearing these? <laughs> terrible, terrible decision. Mothers. Get your kids boxers, at least boxer briefs, please. Mm -hmm. But what are we doing here today? We are going to talk about uh, the um, greatest year in rock, and of course, that is 1983. Um, Didn't we already do this? 1991, greatest year in rock? Yep. Greatest year in rock history? Mm Mm-hmm. But we're doing 83, greatest year in rock history, right? Correct. All right, 1983, the greatest year in rock history. And we're going to prove you why, people. Isn't that right? That's all we do here at Cobras and Fire is prove people why. Why we're contradictions. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's continue. So what you, uh, you know, there was a lot of work prepping for this episode, wasn't it? It really was. Uh, I, uh, I went to Wikipedia. And <laughs> I pressed, I hit control P on my computer and brought it home. Yeah. Um, I call, I call bullshit on anybody that does, uh, <laughs> uh, some kind of urine rock. And the only thing I can think is hard is putting all the clips together as far as editing all the little commercials and stuff. But as far as finding out the albums, I think we collectively spent 10 minutes. What do you say? I must've been nine on your end. <laughs> That's right. It's all there at a click of the button, but uh, there was no going to the, the library using the Dewey Decimal System, flipping through magazines. It was there, ready for the taking. 
So what do you want to talk about first? Um, well, well the- I'll, I'll just, can I just say something to you real quick? Absolutely. Okay. I just want to say that I'm honored. I'm, I'm very thankful. I know you had a conflict tonight. This is the, you know, there was, you had a concert you're going to go to, mm-hmm. um, and you'd opted not to do that to record this podcast. So thank you. Yeah. About that. Uh, uh-huh. um, I went, I went and saw three songs of poison. <laughs> you did uh-huh. okay well that was quick that's that's impressive the fact that you're uh you're here at like nine o'clock already what time do they play <laughs> they went on about 10 to 8 oh my goodness yeah. wow what do you have a delorean that yeah. seriously you that was that is efficient yeah. yeah what were the first three songs uh they opened up with look what the cat dragged in Then it was Ride the Wind, and then oh. uh, Talk Dirty to Me. And yeah, okay. Brett was talking all the way out, so I don't know what they played fourth. According to the set list, by the way, it was supposed to be something to believe in, but I didn't actually hear it. So maybe maybe they did an old Poison switcheroo, but of course they didn't. Yeah, it's nothing like bringing the crowd to a screeching halt at song four for that <laughs> one. That's a terrible position for a set list for that song. Oh, my right? God. There's so many... Let's just call them females. Yeah, yeah, sure. Close enough. So, uh, what, now, what what was this? That you talked about early in the day, which I found ridiculous, was the fact that um, what break down the permissions you had for this. What was the lineup? What's the lineup again? It's Tesla, then Poison, then Def Leppard. Yeah, so at least one of these bands existed in '83. Yeah, well, according to Wikipedia, Poison was founded in '83. All right, Tesla was maybe forming, but uh, Def yeah. Leppard was obviously definitely. Yep. Album. Album worthy Probably at that time. one of the time. biggest so, records of that year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The last um, thing they did worth listening to. <laughs> eh, I, I argue for Hysteria, a lot of it too, but we'll go into that whenever we do an 87 up. But uh, also the greatest year in rock history. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah, it's coming. Let's Before we jump into this this greatest, greatest year of rock, let's just do a quick uh, mention. Again, we have our own crowdfund. I'm not sure when this episode will post, but uh, we are slowly, slowly climbing, covering our SoundCloud hosting cost. Anything you can donate is appreciated. Uh, the rewards start at the $5 level. We've printed off some nice stickers of Cobras and Fire, you know, kind of like uh, bumper stickers, sort of, but I don't think you'd put it on your car because it would devalue it. 
but <clears throat> you know, put put them anywhere. Put them on your uh, your toolbox. Uh, you get the stickers. You get ten dollars. You get three. A lot of rewards going forward. Jesus Christ, their catalog. But anything you can donate is appreciated. Anything you want to add about that, Baco? No, you uh, summed it up very well. And thank you to those who have, and thank you to those who can and will. So, yeah, we appreciate it. Okay, and uh, let's also get into our other crowdfunding th- uh, deal, which is for the Rock and Pod Expo coming up in Nashville at yep. the end of August. As I've stated in the past few episodes, it is 100% confirmed that I will be at the Cobra Some Fire table at the Rock and Pod uh, Expo in Nashville. Lewis, what's the latest percentage on you being there? Well, it, as we mentioned before, it went to 83%, and now 87 87 all right Paco let's get to it 1983 why'd you pick this year it was your idea because 1983 lose is the unequivocal greatest year in rock duh get your head <laughs> out of your besides that lose. all right all right but besides that like how old were you that year um oh well I was 12 you know for the bulk of it I, I turned 13 at the end of it but yeah it was like a nice transition from sixth grade into seventh grade it's also kind of when um I mean I was I got into kiss when I was seven but I didn't really embrace hard rock as much as I would basically starting in 1983 and then at that point you know it never really looked back right that's that's what I thought because I think I was I was uh, campaigning for 87 and it kind of goes for the same same thing as that year I turned 13 and that was the greatest year of rock history as well. You had a crazy night <laughs> right? in it. So let's move past that <laughs> and um, let's discuss other things. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the formative year. 13, you really got into it and that was kind of where I turned also. So I see that in the future at some point. We'll do, we'll do that year as well. But so what do you want to, you want to kind of break down a couple things like cost of living and things like that? Indeed, um, as we are wont to do, the cost of a pound of cocaine in 1983 was $425, Luz. Well, that sounds reasonable. How many rails is that? Um, uh, six. <laughs> That's a big rail. I think right. it's, uh, it's a pile. Okay, all right. A Russian mail-order bride would set you back about 200 bucks. Cold War prices, not, that, not too bad. <laughs> 200 bucks, does that include shipping? Yes, yes. Excellent. Continue. Um, a night in a whorehouse, on average, would run you around $45, depending on your taste. Gotcha. And how much is it for a, a shot of penicillin for chlamydia? <laughs> I didn't get that. I would assume about $3, though. Well, I, I think it's always been about $10 from my research, but continue. And a pound of bacon was $79. <laughs> really? The prices have really gone down. The pig shortage. Oh, there was. Yeah. I did remember that. People were lined up around the block to get their pig. <laughs> the bacon rations. <laughs> oh, geez. What a year. So you want me to kind of just list a couple of the top selling albums and top 10 singles of the year? Yeah. What topped the charts in 1983, Loose Cannon? Sure. So the biggest selling album of the year was, of course, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Beat did it. you own it? Yeah, I owned it. I ended up, you know, I sold it for two bucks to go see Return of the Jedi. <laughs> really? I did. True story. Nice, nice. Um, and then we've got the Flashdance soundtrack. Mm. <laughs> Never on the police. soundtrack. The Police. Ooh, what record? Uh, 
Uh, uh, synchronicity. Okay, that was a huge record too. This is all spot on the song today. Yeah, well, that kind of goes to the next part too. The and then, you know, these are actually the, the top five. This actually shocked me. I knew it hit number one, but it was actually for I think two, three weeks. They had like a chart in Wikipedia, but Metal Health, the first according mm-hmm. to, I guess official. I mean, did. I assume Led Zeppelin had a number one album. I know they don't count sellers. them as uh, heavy metal. And, and you know what? I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they never had a number one record. The way yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm not sure. I think they just stayed on the charts a long time, kind of like a Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side of the Moon or whatever like that. It yeah, and before there. SoundScan, you know, it was really very political. Right, right. So that could have even been the, the case with this too. But yeah, I know that's not heavy metal, but I'm just thinking like hard rock. But anyway, that, so that's officially the first number one quote heavy metal album Mm -hmm. and then of course easy like sunday morning lionel richie you want me to bust out the singles yeah let's do it all right number one for the year i did not think this was going to be it but the number one of the year beating michael jackson every breath you take by the police okay then billy jean Uh uh-huh what a feeling from Flashdance. then you got some uh australians Men at Work with Down Under, number four. Beat It, so number t- second single from Michael Jackson in there. Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is basically a meatloaf song. Turn um, Jim, Jim, Ste- you know that Jim Steinem wrote that? I don't See know if you knew that. See the fucking look in your eye. I didn't know he wrote that, but not a shock. Yeah. Very but you can, if, Yeah, if you listen to it, you can be like, yeah, this could have been a meatloaf song. I only listened to it on the movie Old School. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming round Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all my years have gone by Every now and then I get a little bit terrified I see the fucking look in your eyes I do remember the use of that. And then I also remember the use of Master of Puppets during that van scene. Mm, yeah. Maneater, your boys from Hollow Notes. Okay. I, I actually looked today and I was surprised that there wasn't like a hard rock version of that out there somewhere. Huh. I can see that being rocked up a bit. Um, I always like that song. Uh, Baby Come to Me by Patty Austin. I have do not. And nope. James Ingram. Do you know that? Nope. Do you know that? Uh, yeah. Then Maniac. By, tell me who sang that because I did not know this. A maniac, maniac, oh, I know the song. Yeah, but who's the actual it, artist? Okay, give me. Let me. This is my process. I don't know. We'll come back to see if it come, comes there. But it's, I would have never guessed this. I've never even heard the name, but I know that song obviously. And then number ten, "Sweet Dreams Are Made of This" by the Arrhythmics. Michael Sembello. You look that up. No, that would be that would be. Unethical, loose. <laughs> I've never even heard the name, but I've heard I, that song a billion times. Yeah. All right, what you got? You got any movies, or you want to move to the yeah, hard Let rock? me just touch on a couple movies that came out that were big that year. Um, sure. Uh, I know a couple of these are, are yours and my personal favorites. Uh, I'm talking about Yentl <laughs> in terms of <laughs> endearment. 
Oh my god, Just snoozers, both of those. And Tootsie, why do people think men dressing as women is so fucking hilarious? By the way, whoa, 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 whoa. was Yentl also the, that was kind of the same thing, wasn't it? What? Both Barbara Streisand was being a man. I think. In oh no, I was going into Tootsie. No, I know, but it's both. It's, it's both the cross-dressing thing. Hmm. Yentl was also hey. a musical, I believe. My stepmom yeah, was a fan. But Tootsie, uh, the very unfunny movie of a man dressing as a woman, as are Terrible. all movies of a man dressing as a woman. I'm talking to you, fans of Mrs. Doubtfire. I got to tell you that that's horrible, but also, you know, that was the same year, I think, that Bosom Buddies came out. <laughs> okay, I had a, I did like that show. I guess I'm a hypocrite. <gasps> that's the greatest thing, though, is the fact that Tom Hanks started his career in a sitcom that evolved because he wanted to get a better deal on rent to go to an all-women's... Uh, uh, apartment yeah, rent was, was. Remember how much bacon cost, though. All right, that is true. I mean, if you're gonna your breakfast alone is gonna you know with tax and tip pay. is gonna be like, <laughs> good God, ninety five dollar breakfast. But Keep on a going. couple higher notes, you already mentioned Flashdance, but let's of course talk about Return of the Jedi from Star Wars. And I don't know, I love the movie War Games, and that came out then. So, tic tac toe, and World War Three thermonuclear war. Yes, and National Lampoon's Are... Vacation still a classic. Oh yeah! Any others? Any others there? That was a good enough. year. For Let's movies. get into the, the 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 show, baby. Oh yeah! So, what's your first pick? What do you want? Uh, do you want to mention a couple bands first, or just get right down to it? You know, let's uh, let's just get into. Let's get some music. We've been talking. Yeah, We've let's, talking let's, let's play some music, and then we'll we'll touch on some bands a little bit later in the episode here. I want to open up with uh, Black Sabbath. They released what uh, I think is widely considered their greatest album, Born Again. And, I know, and best album and best album cover. Yes, and that, and also uh, for some reason people don't like the album cover. I think it's great. That would be me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, have you you've heard the record? Yes. No. I'm not really sure where you're at on this thing. Yeah, I, I can't say that I know much about it. I've I've uh, perused it. I've I've sampled it. It sounds like it was recorded um, underwater through a tin can from a microphone. I would compare it sound-wise to not not that they sound alike, but as far as in the catalog, this is, would be their hotter than hell. I mean, I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Hotter than hell. I, you either love or hate that sound, and it's not a great polished sound. It's it's very raw, but I, but it, to me, it adds to the character. And and this one too. This one's actually muddier than hotter than hell. I'm not sure how they did it, but uh, why don't you just crack open a earbud or two and. Let the sweet, sweet sounds of Zero the Hero blend into your voice.
what'd you think there, Luce? Uh, Zero the Hero from the 1983 Black Sabbath Classic Born Again. Oh my god, it sounds like it was sung by the devil baby on the cover. I gotta tell you, it was, it was, it was as advertised. Yeah, I don't it know why cool. Ian Gillen went back to Deep Purple. Was it just there for one album? It was amazing, the the, the, the jumping around during during the 80s and, and 90s. Just a crazy career Black Sabbath has had, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's kind of they're like almost like kissing the sense of like there's so much to talk about. It's 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 fun to get into a lot of it if you're a nerd, anyway. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so let's. Uh, I figured we just list a few albums that came out this year too that we can maybe play a little snippets from, but that won't be our featured songs. What do you say? Um. Huh? I don't know how many how many snippets do you want to play of? I don't want to play the May snippets. Jesus Christ! I just want to go over a couple. I'm trying to embrace the bit here, man. But yeah, I just... it's not a bit. I'm just going to read some some albums that came out this year, and if we want to add a snippet, we can. Okay. Good fucking lord! Don't get snippy with me. Oh, I'm snippy. I'm snippier than a ghost. Fan. Last time I heard you say you were going to play a snippet, it was two and a half minutes of Weird Al. <laughs> Listen, fucker. Listen. It was only two minutes. Okay. You ready? Yes. All right, so I'm just going to go over a couple albums that came out this year and that, you know, we're gonna, we're not gonna, it's not going to be my, my pick, but I almost forgot this one. ACDC, Flick of the Switch. It is kind of a forgotten album. Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's just incredible how they went from Back in Black, For Those About to Rock, and then this album just tanked, and it was only within like a year and a half of For Those About to Rock. Yes. Yeah. It was, there, it was what? What was uh, back in black? 80, 81? That was eighty, and then I think for yeah. those about to rock was eighty one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, probably the end of it. And anyway, so it's, it's, what? What a huge decline in the album. Uh, I know it has its its fans. Not really me. I finally bought the whole thing, but I do like the song "Guns for Hire." Also in 83 was an album that came out from Canada's finest, Coney Hatch, which definitely would not be approved for a band name. What do you think? Well, it depends on what kind of music they play. If they if they happen to write a lot of songs about um, tasty, like, bun-length uh, meat sandwiches. <laughs> I know. It's like, does that mean something different in Canada? I mean, if you think about it, Coney Hatch is basically that little door that's in the area that 
that cooks the dogs, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I corny hatch. It's like doing the whole uh, snowshoe shovel there. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Only in Canada. But they have a, they have a song. Would you of... like a corny hatch? It'll be two toonies and a loony. <laughs> but they have a, a song off, off their, I don't know, it came out like a year or two ago that, that uh, I think Decibel Geek featured called Boys Club. It's pretty pretty damn get good. Um you're gonna say gay? Yeah, that's that a terrible. I like listening to the song. I'm like, Boys Club, Coney Hat, Coney Hatch, and Boys Club. Those things together just sound odd. <laughs> but also, you've got uh, a very juvie hall. <laughs> got a big album from Iron Maiden this year, "Peace of Mind" with the classic Trooper. Mm. I'm not a big Iron Maiden fan. Were you ever big? Into them because oh, definitely played. during this time probably I mean from uh, shit what's the album right before this uh, the number of the beast through yeah. power slave were I was obsessed cool well I'm just gonna get down to it the song I'm gonna pick to kick it off is you know my first album by Motley Crue was girls 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 because it was '87 like I mentioned earlier in the beginning yep. and then I went back and went theater pain. Shout the Devil, and then Too Fast for Love. I, I I did it in perfect backwards sequence, and you know for a while, Shout the Devil. I know this is a, like highly regarded, but it wasn't my favorite album at first. And you know it's definitely grown uh, grown over the years for me, and I think it's one of their best. But man, I mean, talk about the the imagery when you're a kid, right? Oh that yeah, album I mean, cover. I, I I bought this record, uh, Sound Unheard. Um, really? Yeah, I had never heard a single thing from it. Um, but the the legend of Motley Crue is spreading through the junior high hallways. And um, <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, I remember it. My sister was going to buy me a birthday present, and I had my choice between an Ocean Pacific T-shirt, which was a very trendy at the time. People. Oh yeah, OP. That was the beginning of the 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 graphic on the back of the shirt. Yeah, kind of. and. Uh, or this cassette, and I took this cassette, and you know what? Uh, as as my as time went on, I, I liked every record after it better than this one. But now, you know, as I got older, th- this record is is uh, is amazing. It is perfect. This record is probably why they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Honestly, it it is the embodiment of everything they stand for. They kind of lose their way a little bit actually after this, but. Growing up, and here I wanted New Motley Crue. It was the greatest thing ever. It was the same thing with Kiss. Oh, I liked Asylum when it came out. You know what I mean? But as I got older and I'm hopefully a little more refined, it's it's just it's so fun to go back and listen to this record from beginning to end. It is just perfect. No, it's a great album, and <laughs> it was fun. I'm sure probably sight unseen. It was the whole thing where they they basically were the '80s Kiss. You know, they took the. I mean, at one point, even Evil Mickey or Six. Though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I'm saying like the imagery on the on the cover, and then you got I mean yep. Nikki Six. What he spit blood in the Too Fast for Love video, or was yeah, it in the, the a little Devil? bit? But right, that's what I'm saying. Like they had all that stuff that he would set himself on fire. It was like it was always like the one upping of the uh, of previous, and but it was even, definitely that, that harpsichord. Uh, God bless the children of the beast, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was creepy. Yeah, I mean that was scary as fuck. You know, and you know. 13 years old Baco believed in devil worship and all that stuff so oh yeah and the 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 in the beginning I used to play that over and over again getting to shout the devil I mean just that whole intro was yeah. badass anyway so I'm going to feature feature the opening track on the second side cool. of the album Perfect. and that is 
red hot chili peppers. Obviously, um, we probably both could uh, pick something off of that album. That's uh, kind of a quintessential oh, yeah. hard rock metal record for anybody of our ilk. But yeah, nice, nice job. That would have been in the one of the three that I would have led with. Uh, so I might have even picked it. I don't know. But now it's on to me. Um, Slayer had a record out that year, and as you know, I've, uh, I, I've, they're in my top ten, I guess, uh, all timers, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, I don't think uh, they're not that big a deal to you, correct? No. Like of the, the, uh, the big four, they're they're my last. Okay. 
Uh, well, but, our first record. Uh, have you ever heard anything off of Show No Mercy? I have not. I've heard. You know, usually Raining Blood is considered their debut, sort of. Right. I mean, that's no. when they finally hit. No, that's no, considered. Uh, their, it's like their third or fourth record, depending on what you call the uh, the live EP. The live EP. Well, I just know that this came out in '83, and that, that Rain and Blood came out what '86. Yeah, but that's the one that kind of like that was the one I put them on the map. That was the first right, one produced by right. Rick Rubin. That is, yeah, it's considered basically Thrash's finest moment by uh, a large contingent of people. Sure, '86 is a big year. Yeah, '86 is a huge year in Thrash. But uh, yep. in 1983, it was still kind of burgeoning. I mean, Metallica, Kill 'Em All came out that year. Anthrax sure. already had a record out. Correct? No, they got signed after Metallica. But anyway, show no mercy. It it, it it's a very it's extremely raw. Obviously, you know. I mean, it, this is back when they were. You know, the record label on I think it was Metal Blade. You know, they're selling like if they sold five thousand copies, it was considered a pretty big success. So recording budgets were pretty minimal, and you you weren't bringing in top end producers or anything. But it also has just a very I don't know unique young fresh energy to it because you know they are just kind of starting out and all that stuff. Uh, the song I'm going to play, then let's just get into it. It's a uh, song called Black Magic.
Well, there you go, Lewis. Uh, that was Black Magic from the 1983 album Show No Mercy from Slayer. <laughs> nice. Well, I think at this point we should go into the most important album of 1983. Uh, one that pretty much took the music industry by storm. And, you know, at that point, it, it was a pivot, a pivot for the industry. The Killer Door that, self-titled record? <laughs> no. That's a good guess, though. <laughs> no, I'm going to go into, you know, extremely important in rock history. And that is the 1983 release of Pantera's debut album, <laughs> Metal Magic. Have you heard this album before? Yeah, and I can't remember any of it. I have it <laughs> You do really? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's first, let's first, um, you know, this album, the cover is amazing. Yes? Was the last <laughs> yeah. time you saw the cover? Oh, I mean, uh, I saw it on Facebook recently. Maybe, I think you shared it. I did, yes. Okay, so to refresh your memory, I'm glad you saw that post. So this, I think, is greater than the Riot album cover with that monkey or whatever nope, that thing is. No, nope, no, nope, no, no. Nope. Uh, come on, this guy looks. The, the picture looks like the the Liger that Napoleon. There was Dynamite. a compilation like American Metal or something like that. That there was like Volume Two, Volume Three, Volume Four, and it had cheesy artwork like this that was uh, very similar. Like Metal Blader Combat released it, you know, like. Like every four months, they'd have one. And this this reminds though. me of that. Just cheesy. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. If you haven't seen, yeah, it. I mean, I mean, this guy. It's like, would you say it's a lion or a dog or whatever? He's very muscular. He's wearing a, a belt, <laughs> but he's he's wearing a belt. I noticed at first. I thought he was wearing like you know pants like a superhero, but he's wearing a belt, but no actual pants. He's slightly turned to the to the right, so you don't actually see what what is it. What is the creature? What do, what do you think the creature is? It's a. Um, the, it's the, like He Man with a dog's head. I was gonna. I was trying to think of the thing that uh, Napoleon Dynamite was saying. Liger. I said he's that. The liger. liger. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah, a liger, but you don't. Uh, fortunately, you don't see liger cock. But he is. He is naked, except has a belt, on, like a utility belt. Yes, unfortunately. But it is glorious. It's a glorious cover, and I'm just going to read some of the, some of the tracks on this album, and I'm going to play a little clip of one too, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay, so the first song is called Ride My Rocket. Which is actually a prequel to Rocket Ride. I'm not sure if you know that from the lyrics. We've got uh, we've got latest lover, biggest part of me, uh, nothing on but the radio. I mean, there's just some great songs. Doesn't this sound like the Pantera that we know? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, again, the last track on the album is, and this continues throughout their first four albums. You know, I like my punctuation. The last song is "Rock Out!" Exclamation mark mark. Well, moving on from the classic album. Metal Magic by Pantera, which I think they're like 17 years old then. Yeah. The uh, Right, right. But uh, yeah, so I'm just going to name check a couple albums. And if you have any recommendations maybe for songs on these albums, a lot of these, like I'm saying, 83 is more year year. So Kicks, a band you do like, had the album, I think it's their debut, Cool Kids. Anything Don't good on there? Don't tell me no. Tell me yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the song? 
Yeah, it might be on that one. I'm not a kicks expert. I believe it's on that <laughs> record, though. Yeah. Another another name, another band name that's ridiculous. I, I mean, wasn't the fact even that sure if they were a real band for the longest time because they were always advertised in every circus, but not like a regular album advertisement. It was always like a little three by four square in the bottom corner of the back of the magazine, <laughs> you know. And it's like on Atlantic Records. <laughs> what else you got? Crocus Headhunter. Crocus. Is, that at least has another... uh, screaming in the night, right? Yeah, I looked that's at a great it today. Song. Actually went through it. I was like, "This isn't too bad." T- today, fucking uh, but Swedes. I never actually listened to it. But another name, Crocus. Yeah, another not, band that I wasn't sure was real. By the way, every record had a red border around it. It was almost like, is this a K-Tel thing? I don't. It was just weird. Yeah, and the name, what is Crocus? Crocus, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like a, a just a frog. Is all I thought. Crocus. Was a kid. Crocus. Crocus. <laughs> girl, girl, school play dirty. Never heard them. Uh, you never heard of them, or never heard? Of I've them? heard of them. I okay. know it's like Motorhead's, like Girl Motorhead. Yeah, right? fu- yeah, they're they're complete garbage. Yeah, that's right. I, I played a little bit. I was like, no. I'm pretty sure Billy Hardaway just picked picked up three of their records at Mc, McQuaid's or whatever that place is he shops. Dawkin <laughs> breaking the chains. Yeah, uh, actually, not a good record, if you ask me. What do you think? No, I, I went and perused it. I mean, I know the title track. And- oh, you don't know you? Uh, okay. I thought maybe you were no, a little I mean, more versed in docking. Nah, I mean, not that one. I mean, I was basically, again, 87 was my year. So, again, that's the one of them that I went backwards from. Okay. Uh, from that, that album. Um, not back. Yeah, back for the attack. And then you've got. Uh, then uh, Journey came out with uh, one of their albums. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, and it's called something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Rat, self-titled. With the little uh, rats going up the, yeah, the uh, leg, a couple of the songs ended up on the out of the cellar. Uh, I again, I prefer everything that's on that record that's on out of the cellar better on out of the cellar. But whatever, it's it, it's not bad. We'll come back and then and then your favorite Alice Cooper album Dada came out this year. I actually do enjoy Dada. You do now. Mm-hmm. Remember, I told you I was kind of cracking out and slowly gathering all the. Um, yeah, it's kind of a neat little. It's a concept record and. I love I love America is hilarious. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I remember, I remember at, the, that, at the taping of that, you're like, I don't understand the fascination, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff on there. It's it's very bizarre. Yeah, I was kind of cramming for that, too. Remember, I took a, a pretty big backseat to you and Joy during most of that. But I learned a lot. And then because my wife is a, you know, a pretty solid Cooper fan, I've been buying her all the CDs she hasn't owned kind of slowly and then of course i get to hear him too so so i'm going to go into a, a band that i did not even know one of their biggest songs was by them for many years because it, it i don't know if you remember this but any movie in the late 80s early 90s kept having that the song in it for no apparent reason that was the boys are back in town oh yeah, Do you remember yeah that? It's, it's in a ton of movies it's in toy story it's in fucking um i don't know some jim belushi shitty movie with a dog that was kind of like Turner and Hooch, fucking all these movies. I never knew it was by Thin Lizzy because I just I despised the song. I thought you, it was like some. Ju- if you ever ever disrespect Canine again, That's how it is. How we are over. It? Well, you you can go watch it and you can Jim listen Belushi, to that, that song. Jim Belushi, Master Thespian. All right, so moving on from Jim Belushi <laughs> and Canine. Uh, did those come out the canine. same year? 
There were so many of those movies, like Vice Versa and um, Oh, yeah. It seems Big like everything in the 80s out. had a had a mirror image of, like, especially if it was kind of a garbage comedy. What was if the it was Tom Hanks. one? Turner and Hooch, yeah. It was... Uh, K-9 and Turner and Hooch, and then you had uh, Mr. Uh, Big and uh, oh fuck, yeah. vice versa that had Fred Savage in it. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Judge and, uh, Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. <laughs> but we're moving from 83, people. Let's get back to it. Yeah. And that is this band, Thin Lizzy, never got into them. I only like Jailbreak and whatever. They're just one of these old, crusty 70s bands that I just didn't know much about. So it was only in the last couple of years. Right now, Chris that- Sinzak is he's, uh, he's, he's putting pen to paper, and he is tearing you a new one. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I think he's the same way, because I think he only got into them over the last couple of years, too. He like got a... Oh, I think he admits it, yeah, but he, he really cracked out on them pretty heavy, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I, I've Waxman. never really gotten into. I have like a, the anthology of Thin Lizzy, and it's it's sure. seventeen really solid songs. Point being is like this was their last. I believe this is the last album, or definitely near the end. I think uh, it was the last. It had to be. He died in eighty three. Okay, I Thunder think. and Lightning is the album, and this has. And correct me if I'm wrong. You or Billy Hardaway? John Sykes is on the album. Uh, I'm pretty guitarist. sure it does because Loose Cannon told me. Well, I said that, and also didn't look at the didn't look at the Wikipedia at the same time. But I, I think I remember he this. He was in the, more... the band at the end. Okay, yeah. so he had, had more of a hard rock so- song, and this and Renegade are great albums. I started listening to them just off of recommendations from various podcasts. Okay, and I like both of them. The song that's you know better known on it, but it's definitely just like Emerald. Not everybody's going to know it, and it, that is the song that I love the lyrics and everything of, and that is Cold Sweat. Oh, my bad boy. 
I'm going to have to start checking out a little more Thin Lizzy. I've had uh, uh, just uh, a, a decent amount of people that uh, I respect kind of talk about how you know I would really get into it. So I'm going to dig into it a little bit. How about uh, well, you they're kind of meshed into Black Star Writers now, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, the last three albums are they're pretty solid. I, I didn't like their first one because it was aping Thin Lizzy too much, and they definitely always kept that sound. But they seem to come into a little bit more of their own as far as as far as everything on the second and third. The and but the most that, recent uh, one is what, Ricky. I like the singer, the 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 whatever Ricky Matlock or whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's Matlock. I'll look it up here in a second. Yeah, he's like a <laughs> southern country lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but 80-year-olds are in the audience loving it. Every, every, all the, you mean they're all the concerts, from the 70s are there. <laughs> all the concerts are, are at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and include an early bird special. No salt. <laughs> it's perfect. I, I love I heard that. Lizzie. Mur- Murder, She Wrote opens. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, my God! No, it's Ricky Warwick. Ricky Warwick. Warwick. Yeah, sorry. How can I get him confused with a Ricky Southern lawyer That's with a just fucking he's, he's, awesome? He's, he's no, might not know spit about no lawyer. And <laughs> all right, well, um, I'm gonna tip it back to the Great White North, which uh, uh, the Great White North for um, uh, Trump voters. That's Canada. Of course, I'm talking about Helix. Oh, yeah. You like Helix? What do you think of that name? No, it's a good name. I mean, I love this band. I mean, I love their their second album more, though, and that is the uh, Double Helix. Do you remember that one? I I do not. I don't know where <laughs> they had the, uh, the hit single. You don't remember the hit single on that one? No, what was it called? TNA, DNA, and the USA. <laughs> no? I got it. It, it, it. What does it go? Give me a T. Give me an N. No, I don't. I'm not. No, 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 no. The the, the chorus. You, the, the chorus. You got to remember when he says okay. when, the, when they just break down in which polymeric nucleide strands whose complementary nitrogen bases are linked by hydrogen bonds form a helical configuration. Oh yeah, dude, that was my entire sixth grade. That was my jam. Oh my god. But which, go back to this album, though. Yeah, 1983, they released the, uh, I don't even know which, this might be third or fourth record by them. Uh, the Canucks can chime in and let us know. Um, this album is called No Rest for the Wicked. And I don't know, I, Helix was always kind of a weird band, if you ask me. Um, Quite honestly, I know not a single song by them. You don't know I Rock You? Give me an I can't, I couldn't identify them in, in a lineup. Give me an R O C K. What? You Are you got? kidding me? Rock. What Rock. you gonna do? Rock you. <laughs> you don't know no, that I song. I don't know this. No, I. I is that was that in a Full Metal Jacket? <laughs> no, no. It, it sounds like a you know one of those little you know you're marching. 
All right. Well, anyway, um, you know, they're, of course, one of those bands. Maybe we'll touch on this in a future episode that, uh, you know, a lot of their diehard fans always talk about how they should have been bigger, blah, blah, blah. They were kind of goofy. The singer was missing a tooth and he looked weird. Okay. You know, and is this, and, is this, did, is this, did they tour with Anvil? <laughs> oh, like I guarantee same. they played dates with Anvil. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they toured with Kiss. They, they, they had, a, they toured with Bon Jovi and stuff. They just never really broke because I think of, well, first of all, the name is Helix and their <laughs> singer's missing a tooth. And, but, uh, yeah. they, they, they did write some really good rock and roll, I have to admit. Um, I, I, they were almost like somewhere between hair metal and April wine, as far as the sound, if you ask me. This song is called Does a Fool Ever Learn?
go, uh, Luce. That's uh, Helix. Uh, uh, is that enough Canadian rock, or do you have a, a song by Triumph you'd like to feature? I just can't get it on my head. I mean, it's it's just. I mean, that song was great too, but it just it's like an earworm. Just TNA in the USA. <laughs> you call yourself a Helix fan? You're a fucking disgrace. <laughs> But, okay, so then you've got, um, of course, we need to mention it. We're not going to feature anything from it, but Pyromania. Oh, just a monster album. I mean, this probably, definitely before Quiet Riot, this was uh, the the one, the, the, the record that like, I started going, wait a second, there's a lot of this stuff out there, you know, because I was just, the hard rock to me was basically Kiss, and there was nothing else. Yeah, no, and then I was actually shocked, and maybe I looked at it wrong, but it doesn't look like it ever hit number one, but it must have just stayed in that top ten for a long time. Yeah. Just bouncing around, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it sold. so Bouncing sold around huge. like an arm in a car. <laughs> wow. Okay. And you wanted me to cut other stuff earlier. Okay. But you're comfortable with that dismemberment. Not terribly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, so moving moving forward from that, we've got you know, but Fastway their album. debut featuring Fast Eddie Clark, formerly of Motorhead, and Pete Way of Eddie Trunk's favorite band, UFO, UFO which also had an album this year. Yeah. What did it have Amazingly. Pete Way on it? Did he quit? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. That, that, again, that that is another band that's perfectly rated. UFO, absolutely, yes, yes. You think they're underrated? God no! If anything, they're oh, overrated. Yeah, I I don't. I got convinced from the propaganda to go, to go buy "Strangers uh, in the Night" that live live album from like seventy seven or seventy eight. It's you know, the You gotta listen to it. Oh my God! Rock and roll Hall of Fame. Get your head on your ass, UFO. Eddie, get the <laughs> hell out of here. Yeah, UFO I mean, UFO is not metal. They're not even hard rock. I don't know what they are. I. I I went and got that, and I was like, okay, Weird. this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be like Budokan or I'll Kiss Alive. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. So, lights out. Anyway. Yeah, lights out, lights out. I didn't even – that was another song. Just like Power just like out, boys. Please. Yeah, if the lights just go like, out, uh, I don't have to listen to this thing. No, I mean it was another song like Boys Are Back in Town that I knew Lights Out in London, but I never knew who sang it. That was like the only song I'd ever heard by them. Oh, what a letdown it was hearing these guys after like some of the crap you hear over the years growing up. Just yeah, just whatever. But going back to Def Leppard, uh, this is another album though that kind of besides maybe Billy's Got a Gun. I mean, the deep tracks it had like five singles on it. I mean, Foolin' and everything you you know. But past that, can you recall or do, would you recommend Stage Fright is decent? But oh, are you kidding? I love the entire record. You do okay. Yeah. So you like um I even like that dumb little the, drum thing at the end, you know. <laughs> oh, the little thing where it slow, slows down. Yeah, probably my 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 favorite track that's not a single is Billy's Got a Gun cuz it's kind of a creepy yeah, song. Yeah, Billy's but, Got a Gun is cool. Too late for uh uh what's it? Too late for love. Too late for love, sorry. Die Hard the Hunter. Yeah, I mean The only You love it. You know what song I don't like on this record is Photograph. Never have. Yeah, no, I, I, I go a little, with... It's a pop song, I guess, but I don't think it's even that good of a pop song. Yeah, oddly, if I, probably then I didn't like it that much, but for the riff's so great, it's so iconic. Um, and then that goes to, and you probably hate it, but I think one of Def Leppard's best songs, too, is Animal. I didn't like it when I was a kid. 
But then for some reason, I don't, I don't hate it. it, but no, I think it's really boring. Yeah, there's something about the structure of this like perfect. I couldn't believe they led with that as their their comeback single. No, so. actually, the comeback single was "Woman." Oh, you're right, right, right. I'm confused. And that's what made me. That's that's what made me get the album. Yeah, "Animal Sucks." Like, "Woman" is an okay song that I couldn't believe uh, they led with as an opening single. Yeah, uh, that year it was just like "Woman" and "Girls, Girls, Girls." What a great year! So, <laughs> rock, rock, moving forward. Drop. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go to my next song. It is my pick, right? It is your pick. Good. And I'm going to pick, you know, you got to do Kill Em All. Just like just like we're talking about Pyromania. Now, Kill Em All, I forget how, how what sold, but obviously you, you come back to that as, as a core album. Yeah. And I don't know if this is my favorite Metallica album. I can't remember how I ranked them. But as far as just like rawness and and crazy, I, I I think it's to me it's there so far so good so what for for Megadeth is just you just you could just hear the craziness or just the just all the energy on that it's not the best produced Agreed. Hetfield's vo- vocals are absolutely not not perfect and stuff like that but the but the version that I have and I'll just get right to it uh, well I'll, I'll go I'll backtrack this is one of and I don't see why it's not talked about more this is one of the most offensive covers yes why is it offensive well you see a sledgehammer there there's blood it's called kill them all it's like a, a murder scene and it's just the title and everything like that it just like like it creeped me out as a kid it's it's no? graphic and heavy i don't know about offensive though i mean maybe that's not their word it's, it's just like, like saying it's, like, it's killing black people or women or you know it's just but it's definitely right. uh shot let's just say shocking there you go it's definitely yeah I mean, and and what was the whole thing about saying kill them all? Kill who? Just kill who? Who's M? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a crazy album title and, and cover. I mean, what's your theory on that? How the, You know what I mean? Well, you know like, it was supposed to be called Metal Up Your Ass, right? Yeah. No, I, I knew that. It had like a toilet and a <laughs> guitar. Like I, basically, if you sit on here and metal up your ass, I mean, I mean that's... Well, yeah. my theory, they always wanted to do what they ended up doing with Kill Em All and that kind of graphic blood scene, kind of hazy and stuff. But they were worried that they wouldn't be able to get it to fly, so they came up with something more ridiculous and offensive with metal up your ass in the toilet. And they're like, you can't do that. And then they come back with this other thing and says, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. So the version, I had heard it for the first time in going back again, 87 is when I heard it the first time. And uh, I mentioned in the previous episode, but essentially I was mad when they did the remastered versions like a year or two ago, finally, for Kill 'Em All. Because, man, you talk about an album that needed a remaster, that one needed a remaster. Yeah. And it sounds great now. But the and it's not just louder. They Actually, you can hear all the bass much better and all this. So my version, though, that I had before I got the remaster was the version I always had. And it had Blitzkrieg and Am I Evil on it, which they tagged on, I guess, many years later. Did you ever have that version? Uh, yeah, yeah, I still you do. Did. Okay, okay. So that's that's one of the the songs I'm going to pick, and that is a song that I never hear really getting too much love, but I've always loved it. And I know it's a cover, but it was going to be that, this, or no remorse. And I'm picking Blitzkrieg. <laughs>
Anyway, it's my pick, man. Hit it. Well, in 1983, uh, Sharon Osbourne propped up the career of Ozzy Osbourne after the tragedy <laughs> of Randy Rhodes and said, you got to keep pushing on. So they had uh, Brad Gillis fill in for a while before he went back to Night Ranger to record a lot of really light rock. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so Ozzy, uh, he uh, picked up um, what is my personal favorite guitar player of, of all the ones he's had in his solo band, and that's Jakey e. Lee, and they released Bark at the Moon in 1983. Yep. I love this record, Lewis. Uh, what's your take on it? Well, I got to tell you, Baco, for Ozzy... And I, our relationship has always gone back to Black Sabbath. And there's only a few of his solo albums that I like start to finish. And actually, uh, probably No More Tears is my favorite. But even with Blizzard of Oz, <clears throat> there's something about the production on that one. And I've just never loved all of his albums. I definitely like a lot of his his music. And I think the perfect concert is a blend of, of Black Sabbath and some of his prime solo material. Like he's going back. He's not very good live anymore right now. But, you know, a show like this summer, he's doing a few solo uh, dates. You know that, right? Yep. So I think that's a cool mix when you have both together. Um, but so my quick answer is Bark at the Moon. Some great songs on it. I don't really know the deep tracks that much. What you got? Uh, is this, I, this, is your, this is your favorite Ozzy solo? Oh, boy. I don't know if I'd go that far. It's up there. Uh, okay. It, but, yeah, it's... I mean, the opening track is it, it. It is a game changer. It's like if there was any doubt that there was somebody other than Randy Rhodes that could could play this way, uh, and and come up with riffs and songs that were memorable and also just ridiculously dynamic on guitar. It it was Jakey e. Lee, and and the fact that he was able to pull off what he did under, a, 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 I think, a significant amount of pressure. And deliver the way he did when Ozzy was a complete mess. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a testament to him anyway. That's for sure. Uh, the the title track is like I said. I mean, the guitar solo you just cut that fucker up. I can listen to that just from beginning to end over and over. But uh, the record's really <laughs> good. Uh, there's a couple of weak spots. Uh, um, there it was difficult to kind of narrow it down because there's a couple that I wanted to play. But there's a song that is just. It's just rock and roll brilliance, Lewis, and it's called Rock and Roll Rebel.
Great pick, Baco. Uh, can we talk about Ozzy just for a little bit more before we go on? Yeah, what do you got? You know, maybe you knew more about this than I do, but I think it was like four or five years ago. I knew that they took Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake off of... What did they do? Was it 10 years ago when they replaced them with studio musicians because of royalty? Oh, yeah. They brought in uh, Robert Truio, I believe, and then uh, that drummer from Faith No More, uh, Borden. Mike Borden. Borden. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, um, over some royalty dispute. It sounds like it was, you know, I don't know whose side to take on this. Uh, Bob, they probably deserve the money they're not getting, but... Uh, but the way Bob Daisley talks about it, he acts as if, like, Ozzy wouldn't have a career without him, but he's had a career without him longer than he has had one with him, so, by far. Yeah, the interview that I read was pretty compelling where it, where he was breaking down. I think it was a long article that I was like, kept reading because I was fascinated, where he was basically saying, though, that he... I don't think it's completely unreasonable because of the condition he was in and everything at the time, but he was saying that, that they essentially wrote the majority of the music, not him. And that he basically did some harmonizing and stuff like that. And, yeah, and, and my take on it is Jake wrote most of the music. Um, and, but Wait, you, Jake. No, I'm talking about, oh, for, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm talking Randy, about, Blizzard. I'm, I'm sorry, talking yeah, about, yeah, okay. Yeah, you lost gotcha. me. Randy wrote most of the music. But Randy, and much like the situation with Jake, he was the young guy, and you had these kind of two-season guys that probably helped shape maybe some of the, the arrangements to them. I would not consider that songwriting, but he says he wrote, like, lyrics and everything, too. Who knows? Yeah, that's no, uh, it's interesting. Because I guess as you go further down his career, it seemed like Ozzy has had less and less to do with his actual music than, than you think. Like, you see all these co-writes, and I think it's, more people have come out, too, haven't they? I think other. the most honest assessment of his songwriting uh, has come from Black Sabbath, which was that like he would kind of do that. Uh, what do they call it? The uh, bebopping kind of thing, where you you just kind of scat, yeah, you scat and riff to get kind of a melody. And then um, Geezer would write the lyrics, and of course, you know right. Tony Geezer it would write most of the music, and Bill would do his thing. Uh, and, and at least that was more collaborative in that situation. And Ozzy might be decent at coming up with melodies. And possibly lyrics, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, the guy can't play an instrument. That is well no. known. And it's ridiculous to think that he wrote Bark at the Moon by himself, considering I don't know a guitar player that I've met that can play that properly. But this doofus who can go, what was he like, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, <laughs> so I wrote it. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> what did you think of that Red Dragon cartel? I loved it. Uh, I, I, I would have preferred because what he, what he did, he, he initially planned to do it with like a different singer on every song, and then about halfway through, they decided to finish the rest with their own singer. I think it yeah. would have been better if they would have just done had, let him do all the all the tracks. But I think it's a yeah. Great I thought record. that was a little. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. What's the opening track on that one? I love that oh, song. Oh, Deceived? Yes. Yeah, that's a great song. That has a very Bark at the Moon feel to it.
kind of sounds like the the son of of Bark at the Moon. Definitely that riff. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. So anyway, I'm up, huh? Yeah. What do you got? I am going to go. I've been trying. I've been playing back and forth on this. Hold on. Hold on. Ozzy's here. I wrote this all day, babe. All right, thanks, Ozzy. Here's a few other ones to mention. Suicidal Tendencies. Is that yeah, the first the album? one with um, Institutionalized on it, right? That was when there was, was like still 86. more Katie, or Skate Punk. That was actually on this one? Yeah. I thought that was an 80s. Okay. I thought that was like 86 or so. But and then uh, the band that I don't know anything about, but they've done the whole album is Unleashed, Steeler, self-titled. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the it's underrated Gary Moore had a record out that nobody listened to. It looks like he had two live albums that year. Huh. And then of course we have the uh, actual unmasking of Kiss this year. Yeah, a fun fact about the cassette of a Lick It Up. Did you know that if you were to play the song Lick It Up from beginning to end, eject the cassette, and then flip it, you would start perfectly at the beginning of Fits Like a Glove. And if you played that to the end of the song and stopped it and flipped it, it would be perfectly lined up for the beginning of Lick It Up. <laughs> well, of course it would. The other version. The other way. No, no, no. Well, one way for sure, but both ways? You're just lining up the end to boot to a beginning. That song could still be a minute longer. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're both exactly the same time. Yeah, too. they fit in the exact same little slot in the middle of the cassette. That's the magic of cassettes. Yes. So we'll move forward from uh, from from our, our tech tech part of the uh, podcast. And yeah, I'm gonna go with with the we got you know we we obviously are you know do we talk about Kiss sometimes? Once in a while. Yeah. So we're gonna t- feature a song off Look It Up, and I'm gonna you know basically spice it up. I'm actually going to put a little mashup of this together. And one of my favorite songs on this album is one that I really don't hear too much about. And I think they definitely, I don't know how well it would go over live or not, but I love it. The lyrics, the vibe of it, it's just so ferocious. This is when, when I think you've mentioned that Gene could still pull off being Gene, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. And you know he put aside the demon for this, but but and somehow like raised it next level as far as being a badass. And that is the track "Not for the Innocent." Oh, I love this song. Yeah, just the lyrics are just it, this song is spectacular. But I f- wasn't aware of it until like a year or two ago. You of course have heard the demo with Paul Stanley on it. Yes. No. Are you kidding me? Uh-uh. Oh, this will be a treat for you. Okay. So don't even listen to it until we put this together. Paul, they have a, there's a version out there, which there's, again, one of these things are like, how could you not choose to go this direction? The one thing I'll say that, that they need a little bit more oomph on is the chorus. It's, it's good, but it's, to me, it's never been great. Now they have, you know, you, you're a big fan of the Paul Gene trade-off vocal, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and it's amazing to me that they didn't do it more. They've only done it like, what, six, five times the entire career? Don't yeah, get it. Not much. But the the well, thing is... I think we know why, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Egos. But the, Ego. the thing is... Um, <laughs> yep, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. And that's that's what I'm amazed about, the fact that they didn't that he didn't push for this. The pre-chorus... Well, um, 
Paul jumps in on. So basically they split the verses almost. And then Paul does the chorus on this demo. So I'm going to do a mashup because the production is fucking awesome on all of Look It Up as well. So so yes, it's a demo part, but I'm going to splice in the part with Paul on, on this version. So without further ado, here is Not For The Innocent.
Jesus. All right, Baco. So that was four songs each. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's get the hell out of here, man. Well, there is one that I could swear, and, and maybe maybe my memory is wrong on this, but I still recall having a cassette of 1984, and on it, where in the liner notes or wherever they put this on the album, it said 1983. And I always thought that was confusing growing up. And, and then I didn't realize that 1984 really wasn't saying as much of, hey, this is Van Halen 1984. It was saying like the whole uh, Big Brother uh, deal too, right? I've never heard the Big Brother connection to it, no. I don't think I was just saying this is 1984. Well, sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's two and one then, I guess. I don't know. I just I don't know that there was ever a I never heard anything that tied it to the book. I know there was a lot of conversation of that book that year, like the whole intro song and stuff like that. But but anyway, did you have did you have this cassette? This maybe it was a misprint. But my stepbrother official... did. No, we're on the same page on this. Like yeah, because we both thought the same thing. I swear my CD that I got now still says 1983. Do you have it? You have it right now? I don't. But uh, I, I okay. I, I thought it came out officially the very last week of 1983, but you you finished that. What is the official word on it? Well, again, Wikipedia says that it came out I think January 9th, like the first week or the or the second week of 84. But I am telling you, I don't know if it was that the first thing, you know, obviously Jump um probably was out a month or two before, right? For the single? Yeah, I would of course. Assume. Yeah, they had that kind of advanced so whatever, it's right there at the end. But I. But you said you're on Wikipedia that reading that. Hold on one second. Ready? Yeah, go ahead. What's it say now? <laughs> What's it say now? I uh, I don't have it in front of it. Oh, you just changed it. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> it says 1983. That <laughs> is true. Have you ever tried to change something on Wikipedia before? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, but the, it like if you try to fuck around, it changes pretty quick. I don't know how it all works together, but yeah, there's some uh, if you, proper if, registration if you want to change something correctly. But yeah, yeah, I've anyway. done it like for like jokes for a temporary thing, and then emailed something to somebody and says, yeah, yeah. "I wrote, yeah, exactly. uh, 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 I was the first guy on the moon. Look, here it is." So. so I, you know, getting ready for this episode, I started look uh, checking out this album, and it's it's. I know it's their whatever. This and the debut is their biggest selling, uh, but I don't know. I it, there's definitely it's definitely great, and I will tell you as far as the keyboard stuff. And this isn't because hey, it was their biggest hit or whatever. I never liked Jump. Oh, Were you I, a Jump fan? I, I still don't like Jump that much, and uh, I I didn't I I I got into Van Halen kind of backwards, uh, whereas. This was the first real exposure I had to them was this record. And then Sammy Hagar came in, and I really liked 5150. And then yep. I started buying this stuff before it, and I just didn't like the albums as much. But uh, there is a, a certain je ne sais quoi to David LaRoth that uh, could never be replaced. That said, I bought this on CD in the mid-'90s just to kind of complete my collection, one of those things. And I couldn't believe how good this record was and why I ignored it. It's just, it's, it's, you get past the 1984 and jump, and it's pretty much a killer rock album. Yeah. Like, as far as a keyboard song, I'll, I think I'll, I'll Wait is fantastic. I've always liked that song. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Um, and let's put it this way, too, because these were huge hits. 
And, and right. th- think about what hit radio is today. Uh, Panama and Hot for Teacher. Uh, th- th- the fact that those were gigantic songs for everybody, not just hard rock guys. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Th- 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 God, I miss that. <laughs> I want, right. I, mean, I, mean, I want to turn yeah. on. To, I want Top Forty Radio to have some guitars in it once in a while. You know, it's just uh, I miss it. Hell, I miss yeah, you want, the bands like the Police. Jesus, you want to ease the seat back? Yeah, right. My God, yeah. I know it's it, it, it's great. Um, I, I just have some for whatever reason. I have some affinity towards the uh, Woman and Children First and um, Fair Warning for whatever reason. Those two albums have made a blend together. Is is a perfect Van Halen for me? It really but is. The, um, shit, what's the song off of Women and Children First? It was on. Uh, Better off dead. Oh, that's gonna be uh, everybody wants some with a dancing hamburger. Everybody wants some. That's the one that's on there. Oh yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's like the little burger with the Eddie Van Halen guitar. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. But anyway, but yeah, man, this thing is chock full of great songs. Um, what did you else you want to talk to about this one? Because I know you had we talked about a song. Oh, yeah, well, um, we were both humping a couple songs back and forth. I mean, well, on um, drop dead legs, you know, like that. Drop dead legs. Bow, bow, bow. Uh, I mean, if you ever want to tell me that there's anybody better than David Lee Roth, check out the line. I think it's the second half of the first verse where it's like, the way he just says big butt. No one really said that back then. You know what I'm saying, Lewis? <laughs> that's right. I mean, this is long tap. before Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yes, that's right. Or a big bottom. Well, a big bottom. I think this was this year. This year, but for but later on, well, this is an actual song, heard. not uh, <laughs> uh, not, not, not a cartoon this. band. This is not okay, the monkeys right. here. You want to close this out? Yeah, let's close it out with House of Pain. So before we do that, of course, we got to say one thing. What is it? Rock's not dead. It's hiding, and you found it in 1983, nonetheless. <laughs> See you on the 
he is. He is a dirtbag motherfucking piece of shit. 